We turn in God's Word then to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, as we consider the last of our tulip this evening, the perseverance in patience. Perseverance in patience. For those of you who have not been with us throughout this series, we're taking uh, the acron or the word tulip, as it is often used in Reformed doctrine, to set forth our belief in various doctrines that are set forth in God's Word. This series, however, has been using the same words, the same word, the same letters. To point to the fact that our doctrine is to be followed up upon with our life. That how we live is also to correspond with that which we believe. I would say that probably is seen pretty clearly in Paul's words to the church at Ephesus. As he calls them to to walk in a certain way, to live in a certain way based upon that which they believe. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, 
I was reading this, I was reminded the time when Pastor Bob held up a black piece of paper and said, this is what our sins are like. And here today we can enjoy reading about the grace that you gave us which cleared us from our sins. We pray that tonight we may hear your word proclaimed truthfully, honestly, and we remember it's not it's Bob's voice, but not his words, it's your words. We ask thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I understand that last Sunday's solo was a hit with some of you. I'm not sure it's made YouTube yet or any of those sites, but at least some of you noted, hey, once in a while you can hit all the notes. So I'm tempted to start tonight with another solo, but that might be pushing it just a bit. But I'm sure all of you, well, maybe not all of you, many of you remember the old music machine and uh, the videos, and some of you might have even been involved in that. Maybe some of you are still showing those various uh, episodes to your children. There was in that uh, film, whatever we want to call it of these days, tapes, Some of you are now wondering, what is a tape? What's he talking about? Dating it, the whole thing once again. But in there, there was that song. Be patient, be patient. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think of all the time. When others had to wait for you. That would be a way to start. And it would also be a way to end. Because it does indeed put bookends around that which God's word reminds us of. Paul here is calling us as believers in Jesus Christ to be patient. Listen to these words again. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As we consider this tonight, uh, this text, and the consequences or the ramifications of it, we do so under two major points. One, we should be those who persevere in patience because this is the result of grace. And secondly, this is Scripture's teaching. We are to be patient people. And as I've been telling you uh, all along in this series, we... As reformed believers who understand the sovereignty of God, who understand that God is the one who has a sovereign plan over the entire universe spanning all of time. We who understand the depth of God's grace ought to be those who exemplify patience in this world. Oftentimes, I have told you before that 
sermons are preached not only for you as the congregation, but they're preached for the pastor as well. That is certainly not untrue of this particular passage as well. Patience. Such a hurry. Do things so quickly. Get so frustrated by those who don't catch up and won't come along, who don't get it. But we are called to be the people who persevere, who continue on in patience. Note, first of all, that this is Paul's urging. See that in the text? I urge you. I urge you. That's an interesting word because the root of the word that Paul is using here in the Greek is the same root as paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit. Paul is urging these Ephesian believers with the same power, with the same force, as the Holy Spirit works upon our hearts. This is Paul saying, not just Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, but not just the Apostle Paul. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and I tonight, saying, I'm urging you, I am working, I am tapping on the door of your soul. I am coming with all the power with which I urge you to become a believer, with which I urge you to repent, to turn to Christ, to look to Christ. It is the same idea that is being given here. It's not like somehow this urging is secondary. It's not like somehow this urging is less important or is less significant. This is the same force that the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts is that of urging us to be patient people. Notice that Paul is apparently writing this as a prisoner for the Lord. Certainly not one in ideal circumstances and situation. This is not like one who is writing in the lap of luxury telling somebody else, be patient, be patient, don't be in such a hurry. This is one who would have some reason for anxiety. This is one who would have some reason for impatience. This is one who would be saying and questioning, Lord, what are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm the missionary to the Gentiles. What are you doing? Here I am in prison. How can I be any, any effective? How can I be effective here? How can I bring the message of the good news of the gospel? I mean, I'm in this prison. Yet interestingly enough, it is many of Paul's letters that are indeed written from prison that seem to carry such a personal, fervent note that we treasure them that we value them, that we look to them because they are so personal in nature. But this is, you see, the Holy Spirit's mean. I'm putting you in prison, Paul, because 
that is my means of making you the effective witness that I have called you to be. Paul has learned to be patient. Or as he wrote in the, to the Philippians from the hymn that we just sang, I have learned in all circumstances therein to be content. That's not so much a verse on contentment, that's a verse on patience. I have learned not to be in such a hurry, Paul is saying. I have learned not to put my own agenda first. That learning is from the Holy Spirit. Secondly, I'll have you note as we look at the text that Paul speaks about the fact that this call to be patient, he's not only urging, but this is part of the call of God. This is what God calls us to. God desires, God wants us to be patient people. You know, we probably would not put patience in, in that kind of category. We, we might say, well, God wants us to be holy and we ought to strive for holiness. I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying is, we often elevate something like that above patience. Well, God's calling us to love. We ought to be people of love and we elevate that. Well, patience, well, that's not necessarily that important. And yet here, Paul is reminding us that God's call upon our lives is to be patient, bearing with one another for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ. It's rather interesting when we look into the Westminster Shorter Catechism and we read the definition about effectual calling that which God does through his Holy Spirit. We read the following. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, renewing our wills, he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. See, he persuades us. God persuades us through the work of His Spirit that the life we are to live is the life of patience. The calling, the word that is used here, would have been the same word that was used at that particular time as an invitation to a banquet. It's interesting, this sermon follows up on God's call, God's invitation to us to come to the banquet, to the table. The point I'm making is this. The call to be patient is no less of the call of God through the Holy Spirit to our hearts and to our lives. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. But you see, God's calling 
to us invites a response. How do we respond to the call of God? When God invites us to worship, how do we respond? When God invites us to the table, how do we respond? When God invites us to salvation, how do we respond? When God invites us to live a life of patience, how is it we respond? Well, Paul here is saying, I want your life to match your doctrine. I want your life to match your standing. Remember that some of you probably still have this game in your cupboard. Maybe you haul it out from once in a while. It's a game called memory. Hey, you get, I think it's like maybe 36 little cards with pictures on them and you scatter them all over. Maybe you put them in nice rows and files and so on. And then you have to pick one, okay? And then you look at the picture and then you pick another one to see if you've matched it. And the idea is as you go through this game to, to get as many matches to remember what goes with what. Used to be an old game show on TV called Match Game. Some of you might remember that more than the, the memory game. As I get older, I don't like playing the memory game as much anymore. It gets harder and harder to defeat my grandchildren at it. They get better and better at it. But this is exactly what Paul is saying. I pick up the card of your life, and I see that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. I see that you trust him for your salvation. I see that you acknowledge that you are a sinner saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. I see that you are a child of God. Does the other card of your life match? Or is it a mismatch? Is how you're living, live a life worthy is your life lived worthy of the call that you have received? Worthy of the Holy Spirit's work to draw you out of darkness into the marvelous light of the Lord? Is your life being lived in the match? Does somebody look at you and say, your doctrine, your belief matches how you live from day to day? See, this is what the passage is calling us to. And part of that match, part of that which is to be reflected in our life, is to be patience. That's to be there. Now, there's other things that fall into that as well. I'm not saying, there. well, no, it's all about patience. No, there's other things as well. But tonight, it's to help us think about, about this idea of patience. So what exactly is that? How would we define what patience is? Well, the song defined it one way, right? The song defined patience as not being in such a hurry. Yes, there's that understanding of patience. There's that understanding of not peeping the horn when the guy in front of us doesn't move when the green light's been green for all of two seconds. Right? 
Now, see, when he doesn't move, we're beep, 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 okay? That's one kind of patience. And yes, it falls within the, the biblical parameters that are being called on here. But patience is actually much larger than simply that idea of, of not being in a hurry. Patience actually has more to do with the idea of long-suffering. The idea of forbearance, that's perhaps what some of your older versions use as the word in this passage. It's the idea of more than just counting to ten. You know, we, we, we've probably all talked about that, told our children that, maybe we tell ourselves that. Now, Bob, count to ten before you respond so that you don't respond in a... Patience is more than just counting to ten before one responds, although that is certainly part of it. The idea of being long-tempered rather than being short-tempered. Having a long fuse rather than having a short fuse. Yes, that's all part of it. But patience, as it's used biblically, has more to do with the idea of bearing with someone in their sin. It's the idea of patience, of waiting a long time before expressing anger. The seeking to avoid any sort of violent, whether it be physical or verbal or mental, response. That's why the best way to exemplify it is to look at the text. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That idea of bearing with has to do with the idea that, yes, you are suffering. Yes, you are under a weight. Yes, this person is causing you inconvenience. Yes, their sin is making life difficult. But be patient. Don't be so quick to respond. Be careful that, that you don't show impatience, but that you are long-suffering. Say, well, I shouldn't have to put up with that. I shouldn't have to deal with that. Now, nobody is arguing, and Paul certainly is not arguing here, that somehow their sin is good. But Paul is arguing for the point that the fact of how we deal with that person's sin is something we need to be concerned about. Our concern is how we respond. Be patient. Bear with one another See, what we need is a theology of patience. 
Because you see, when we think about this, I want you to think about how impatient, how not being patient, how not exemplifying a long-suffering, forbearing attitude, but always responding, always quickly, always with an outburst, always have to do it right away. We can't let it go. It's got it's to be counter immediately or soon after. It's based upon not a correct understanding of God. Because you see, our theology teaches us that God himself is long-suffering. That God himself is patient. Listen to these passages. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. The Lord is slow, slow to anger. Doesn't say the Lord doesn't become angry, but he's slow to it. He is long suffering. Psalm 86, verse 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Yes. But he's also long-suffering. Want to know an example of that? Think of the Lord saying in Genesis, my spirit will not contend with man forever. I see that only his thoughts and activities are evil continually. I am going to put an end to this. Do you know when the end comes? A hundred years later. See, there's no immediate. A hundred years later, the patience, the long-suffering of God is exemplified in that whole story of the flood. Okay, Noah, build the ark. Now, why didn't God just drop an ark down from the sky? Why didn't God just say, trees come together, form a boat? Why didn't God just automatically put food and animals inside that ark? Why does God have Noah go out and find trees, cut trees, shape trees, why does God have Noah find pitch and cover the pitch? Why does God have Noah go out and bring in food? The answer is this. God is patient. See, our theology, our theology, our understanding of God 
ought to lead us to the fact that as God is patient, His call to us through His Spirit is patience. Secondly, let's look at then some Scripture teachings in regards to this. I've alluded to the ark in that situation, but this is the way of God. 2 Peter 3.15, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Count the patience of God as salvation. The Lord, 2 Peter 3, 9, is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, this is the way of God. This is the work of God's Spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. There's not a ranking here of nine fruit that one is more important than another. This is the fruit. This is what the Spirit bears out. Just as much as love and peace so too the Spirit pours out patience. Why? Because He is patient. This is an attribute of God. And as the Spirit fills our hearts and fills our lives, it is this attribute of God too. Not just His love. Yes, His love. Not just His peace. Yes, His peace. But His patience as well. Ought to be exemplified in our lives. It ought to be bearing fruit of the Spirit. This ought to be seen. This is why Paul says, I urge you to walk in the way. I urge you according to the call. The call of God. The call of God by His Holy Spirit. This is the way of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this, you see, is also what we are called to in waiting for Christ. Think of what would happen, brother and sister in Christ, if we were not patient in waiting for this second return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, what would have happened if the return of Jesus Christ had been 17 years after you had been born. Were you a believer at 17? Why did Christ not return? Because God is patient. He desires that all come to repentance. Listen to Paul. Verse Timothy 1.16. 
But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, Paul understands the fact that Christ was patient with him. about this what if God had not been patient with you and I brother and sister if God had been impatient with our impenitence our stubbornness our hard-heartedness our sin our failures if God had just said I'm done with you I've put up with you for 15 years that's it I'm done for some of you what if God had said I'm tired of it I put up with it for 30 years. God is patient. Because he wants us all to come to repentance. Why did he wait the 100 years? Because God is patient. He gave them 100 years to repent. Why is God patient? Because he gave me 15 years. He gave some of you 18, 25, 30. There are members of our congregation that the Lord gave 50 years to, 55 years to. See, Paul understands that Jesus Christ's perfect patience. See, it's grace. Why should I be patient towards others? Because of the patience that God has shown me. Because of the grace of patience that God has given to me in my life and you in your life. Patience to wait for the Lord. Patience to pause and say, Lord, Humanly, I want to explode. Humanly, I don't know if I can take it anymore. Humanly, I have my wits in. But Lord, maybe that fellow in front of me at the light is praying right now a prayer of repentance. And I'm beeping my horn saying, come on, buddy, get on with it. Isn't that an amazing thought to think about? Well, you're sitting behind him. You're, come on, go, go. And the guy's sitting there praying. Lord, I've just come to the realization of my sin. And I know what a sinner I am. And I turn to Jesus Christ for my salvation. And you started beeping the horn at Lord. Why should we be patient? Because the Lord desires people to come to repentance. Oh, not that there isn't a, a judgment. Not that there isn't an end of that. Not that there isn't an end of the long suffering. 
But I would fear, my friends, we probably err on the short end of this stick, not the long end. We probably are more impatient than we are overly patient. Hebrews chapter 6, 11 and 12, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When am I to be patient to the end? Waiting for Christ to return. Do I get impatient? No. The author of Hebrews said, to be an imitator of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't get ahead of God. Walk with the Spirit. Because you see, you and I know you and I know it's going to be worth it. For God's anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. See, I, I know, but it, it just feels so good sometimes to let it out. Yeah, humanly it does. But spiritually, how much better to wait for the Lord. And it, as the hymn writer said, will be worth it all. Let's pray. Father, we know how often in our own lives from... Sometimes the inconsequential, the sometimes very serious things. We become impatient. We become impatient with others. We, we do not bear with one another in love, as you call us to. Father, forgive us for that. A lot of times we make mountains out of molehills. A lot of times our, our schedule, our plans become that which we worship. And when somebody messes up our timing, we're prone to get really upset. When somebody messes up what we think is the right thing to do, we get very annoyed and can become very upset. And something doesn't go exactly as we had planned or hoped it would go. We become too quickly impatient. Father, forgive us. Because you've called us to a better life, we can do better than this. We can do better than that. Because you've given us your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to live within us. And that Spirit shows forth a fruit, a fruit of patience. Father, in this week with all our relatives perhaps coming or we're going somewhere else, boy, it's going to be easy with the pressure mounting 
to become impatient. Father, prepare us for that. Help us to be people who desire to have our doctrine and faith match our life walk. And Father, where there are those who deal with circumstances that really, where they really have been long-suffering, where they really have persevered in patience. Father, help us to remember even then how patient you are with us. Even as we long for the day of Christ, in whose name we pray, God's people saying, Amen.